a code red for humanity, curb emissions and dramatically reduce consumption or face a world that is fundamentally different. When Kermit the Frog sang, it's not easy being green. I want you to know that he was wrong. He was wrong. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, 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 blah. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. He's tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 3, The Sky's the Limit. I'm Ian Collins. Another week, another news agenda and another budget from the Chancellor. But how well did he do on green-based issues? We'll come to that shortly. Our man with his own spreadsheet and impressive abacus pondering over the salient details is the green entrepreneur and environmentalist Dale Vince. Dale, morning. Yeah, morning Ian. How's things? All right, yeah. I did think maybe this is the week of all weeks of all episodes we've done that you, you might be giving the Conservative Party a house point. <laughs> so we had this chat, didn't we? On, on the talk, radio. Yeah, yeah, on talk radio this week. And I was like super surprised because you said that to me and off the off my cuff, I said back to you, yeah, um, house point is super rare from me to the government, as rare as rocking horse shit. And uh, I saw the smirk on your face when I said it. But when I listened to it back, it's all been... Um, yeah, the producer, all, the producer yeah. dumped the word. Yeah, you've done a Putin on it. Yeah, you got Putin. Me. You got Putin. I hadn't realised that. You see. I just sort of smiled at it and thought, "Oh, that's quite funny." It's, it's not just a word. It's not like bleeped out. I don't know if you've seen it back, but the, like, yes, it cu- yeah. it cuts out and, and goes blurry, doesn't it? The vision, the, the vision, yeah, the vision some. goes. That's right, and the sound goes for like a whole sentence or something. So you, yeah, they got some technical gubbins they employ. You can't even work out what I was gonna say. Like, it doesn't say, "Yeah, rare as rocking horse bleep." Yes, that <laughs> you know would be. I, mean? I don't know why they've never somehow managed to modify the system so it just does that. And then, of course, what happens is listeners go, why are you editing guests? Because they also don't know what's been cut out. So <laughs> That's right. Yeah, sinister. It's sinister stuff, isn't it? Yeah. It, well, it's yeah. usually when a, a listener libels somebody, actually. That's the main use of it. So Because um, they don't realize they've libeled somebody, just speaking off the cuff. So, uh, But it gets employed for the, yeah, when the S-bomb gets dropped as well. Uh, I had no idea that you couldn't say shit on the radio, didn't Yeah, I? well, I think maybe after 10 o'clock. But radio is curiously uh, authoritarian in that stuff compared to television. Mm, yeah, like a throwback to the Mary Whitehouse days. Correct. I've never quite understood it. It's never... It's never changed. In fact, arguably, it sort of got got stricter. I have no idea why. But I mean, it's like something your old nan wouldn't bat an eyelid at, isn't it? Oh, my old nan. Well, she was forever dropping the S-bomb. Um, <laughs> yeah, she c- couldn't stop herself. <laughs> um, so what about it then, the budget? No VAT on solar panels. And you've been arguing this for years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's a good thing. I mean, uh, hallelujah. This time last year, we launched a campaign with the Daily Express called Zero for Zero. Uh, and that was the title was to encapsulate the concept, which is zero VAT on anything that helps us get to zero carbon. Very simple, very logical, and 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 super sensible, given that we've got legally binding targets as well as an you know massive imperative to get to zero carbon and avoid the climate crisis. But the government still slaps VAT on all the good things, and actually more VAT on good things and bad things. Like you know you can burn coal at home and pay less VAT, for example. And yeah, Rishi comes out and says, yeah, not anymore, not on solar panels, not on energy efficiency equipment uh, and he ended with the word zero which i thought was pretty cool he didn't go for zero for zero but uh, but he's gone and done it and, and you know a year ago 
when we launched the campaign, we, we took it to the government and they said, nah, it's not going to make any difference. Mm. Uh, a year later, it makes a difference. But I like to think that, you know, Boris Johnson is a man to whom VAT doesn't make any difference because he doesn't buy his own tw- uh, it's a toilet paper, wallpaper. He doesn't buy he doesn't. his own wallpaper. So what would he know about VAT? Doesn't buy his own wallpaper. No, he knows absolutely naff all. Uh, <laughs> that is absolutely true. So, so Rishi gets a, a kind of a reluctant house point on the solar panels, but like then the rest of it kind of turned to mess, didn't it? Really, because it's the what are they calling him the the, the illusionist chancellor? Because last year he put taxes up, and then this year he cut them back a tiny bit, and now he's claiming to be the chancellor that cuts taxes, even though they're at the highest, they're higher under Rishi than they were for the entire time Gordon Brown was Chancellor. Yeah, and look, the the, the least well-off in our country did least well from the budget. You know, I mean, the bottom 50%, so it's not just a few people, the bottom 50% in terms of income are, are worse off, uh, much worse off the further down the income brackets you go than, uh, than people above that. You know, two out of every three pounds that he gave away, inverted commas, went to people that are earning, you know, much more. It was a, it was a terribly wasted opportunity to help people that are truly facing hardship, uh, and you know energy bills aren't even biting at the moment. They go up on April the first, then they go up again on October the first. By which time they'll sit at three thousand pounds a year, three times what they were last October, and there are just tens of millions of people that are going to struggle with that. He refuses to have a windfall tax, which would be a yeah. very good way to pay for that. Um, you know, he borrowed a small car, didn't he, and set up a photo shoot of him filling it up with petrol to boast about his 5p uh, knockoff of the uh, duty on, on what, fuel. What kind of utter turnip in his department yeah, said, here's a really good idea, Chancellor. Well, what we're going to do uh, is, I mean, I, okay, I don't think we were expected to believe it was actually his car, but it was just it was just a bit stupid. And then he went in the petrol station and tried to pay for a can of Coke as well. Uh, and that all went a bit pear-shaped. Uh, yeah. Somebody somewhere came up with that idea and implemented it. They should have given him some training in the real world, shouldn't they? This is a garage. This is how you pay for a can of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> this is how you buy bread. You know, you know, I imagine you know. him looking across and seeing Haribo and the psycho music playing, him thinking it was like, what the hell is that? Where am I? Where am I? <laughs> some kind of TARDIS situation for Rishi. Uh, but anyway, it's, that, that's, there's another budget, of course, coming along in the autumn. A lot of people were saying to us this week, actually, that's the one to watch because that might have to be really brutal. God knows. I mean, you know, it's a bad time to put up national insurance, isn't it? Um, and I mean, it's it's unbelievable that we can't have a windfall tax. I mean, the the excess profits in the North Sea now are probably standing at fifty billion. That money is coming out of the pockets of ordinary people in the retail sector when it comes to paying the the retail energy bills. What I'm trying to say is, there's a wholesale windfall profit at the yeah. at the cost of the retail end of the market. Government should do something about that, but. I think they have too many friends, investors, donors in in the fossil fuel industry for them to actually move, you know, act on that. There is that sense that, you know, I mean, we, we, we're sort of hearing about re-drilling in the North Sea and things like that. Do you think there's any truth in that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been a big push. Uh, off the back of the Ukraine war, isn't there, to say we need energy independence. The term has been hijacked by climate skeptics in the Conservative Party saying we need to double down on fossil fuels, we need to bring back fracking. But as as we've said a thousand times, Dully, even if you did that, you're not going to see any – well, you're not going to see any fuel for a decade. So how, how would this even address the issue they're purporting to address? 
Well, I don't think they live in the real world. You know, they want to bring back fracking. They want to squeeze more out of the North Sea, the last drops. And uh, what's his face? Um, oh, what's his name? The tall, funny-looking guy. Reese Mogg. Smog. Reese Smog. <laughs> he wants yeah. to bring back coal mining in Wales. I mean, WTF, I'm going to say that so I don't get censored, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know. We're in control of this one, aren't we? But, we but are. you're right. I mean, fracking will take 10 years to get on its feet. The Oil and Gas Authority says if it was on its feet today – it would run out by 2030. The same people, the OGA, say that North Sea is going to run out by 2030 anyway, unless we spend tens of billions uh, drilling for new stuff. The average time between drilling and production is 28 years in yeah. the North Sea. So that ain't happening anytime soon. Uh, and the other one they're pushing for is nuclear, which takes 10 years to plan. Mm. 10 years to build, and another 10 years before it's broke even on a carbon basis. 30 years from now, it produces uh, zero carbon uh, electricity. I mean, we haven't got 30 years. We've it's got- extraordinary. And what I find interesting from a, you know, a sort of a centre-right or right-wing conservative perspective, it, you know, even Thatcher worked this out three decades ago, That, albeit for you know, some slightly different reasons. But Nonetheless, she realized that there was going to be no future in coal. And and here they are three decades later arguing there is. Yeah, I don't know if Thatcher had different motivations. Like, yeah, I mean, she wasn't, nec- she wasn't necessarily flying the environmental flag, no, but the, so. the, the point was she realized this was an industry that was you know, clearly not going to be going anywhere. And the point of what I'm saying really is that if we double down on fossil fuels, we're going to still find ourselves with the same problem in 10 years' time. We're kicking the can down the road, but not very far. We will have to move on to renewable energy by then anyway. So why don't we just do it now? Stop fucking about. Again, echoing my old nan once more. Um, this, uh, what's this Gazprom story? You can shine some lights on It's a £4 billion bill if the government nationalises Gazprom. Can you shine some I saw the headline. Um, this is an area you obviously know well. Well, this is really interesting because when I saw the headline, I thought they're going to uh, actually nationalize Gazprom as a, an aggressive act against Russia. But it isn't that at all. Uh, Gazprom have two arms in the UK. They have a, a retail arm that supplies businesses and a lot of them. And they have a gas trading arm or energy trading arm, uh, which does wholesaling. And it's the retail arm that's in trouble, ironically, because people are boycotting it. And so they're finding themselves on the edge of uh, bankruptcy, which brings them therefore into the scope of the government. And they're looking at it and saying, well, it won't fit the supplier of last resort scheme, which was Ofgem's thing for rescuing Mm. stranded customers, because it's too big. The volume of gas that they supply is twice as big as bulb. Bulb has already cost us three billion pounds this winter to prop up, cost us the public. Gazprom will cost more if and when it goes into administration. So it's a, it's just a knock on of the of actually the boycott frenzy that that's happened since yeah. the Ukraine war started. Question from Jane on Twitter, uh, Dale: How do you stay so calm in interviews? Do you have something special in that green mug? <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm hearing it a lot. Listen, uh, it's the way I am. You know, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm just not worked up by what these guys are saying, and um, and it is always guys, actually. Isn't it? I can't oh, imagine no. you shouting, Dale. When was the last time you shouted? It's a good question. I think it was a football match. Uh, I think it was when we scored, and it, and it was probably fuck or something like that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I mean, that's in a different ballpark, isn't it? That's a sort of celebration. I, I just can't imagine your vocal scale going to the point that says anger. 
No, I don't do anger. I, you know, I just don't. Um, it's not worth it, really, is it? I don't think that it is. It doesn't make you feel good. It actually does the opposite. And, you know, I guess I'm just, I'm just wired differently. And, and I listen to what these people are saying, and I, and I know there's, there's, there's no logic, there's no fact to support their position, and I genuinely want to share with them these things that they're missing. Because I think, actually, they can be persuaded. You know, like uh, Richard Tice that we were on the radio with the other day, and, and Nigel Farage, you know, I just think they're, they're pretty decent people. They've just got the wrong facts. Yeah, and that's the point, isn't it? Otherwise, you, if you look at it as, and I think this is where politics goes so wrong, where you, you, you look at your opposition as an enemy rather than an opposition, then everything is fundamentally flawed from that point on. Um, the, the word enemy, there should be no place in that. It's about convincing people. It's about winning over hearts and minds. You know, every successful prime minister has been able to sort of, at some level, enamor people who wouldn't ordinarily vote for them. Uh, but there's a good reason for that because they know kind of how to do it. So and with the Richard Tice debate we did this week, you had one view, he had another. I was sitting there kind of facilitating it in the middle. And there, w- there was no no nasty words and no insults and none of that caper. Two points of disagreement. And that's how it should be, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, in, he talked up this incredible myth which which I had to call out, you know, the idea that uh, we we could we could do fracking safely. Uh, that's that's a that's a big myth to begin with. That uh, you know we could make a, a massive amount of our own gas, and we can use carbon capture and storage to capture the carbon from the burning of that, and then put it back underground. I mean, that stuff just doesn't exist. And he lives in a fantasy world, and it reminded me of Brexit. Really, the idea that they need us more than them, we can have our cake and eat it. You know, we can do amazing trade deals with the rest of the world. Mm. All these unreality things that the Brexit crew lived by. Uh, he was in that place on energy, which is just amazing. Here's a question from me. Um, well, I, I mean, lots of, lots of, yeah, I, I've actually yeah. pulled rank on our own podcast. <laughs> um, and well, I say from me, lots of, I think lots of people will wonder this. And it's this how do you accidentally fund a protest? At Premier League games, Dale. <laughs> you got to love it, haven't you? And you reminded me, you said Richard Tice, you know, no rude words and, and all that kind of stuff. Talk sport was a different thing. There you've got uh, Simon, what's his name? Jordan, Simon yep. Jordan, you know, calling me smug, uh, talking about protesters, spending money on soap and all those kind of cheap, silly shots, you know, but yep. uh, different kettle of fish. Uh, but how did I do it? Well, look, um, you know. This is the uh, Stop the Oil campaign. Yeah, that's right. It's a funny story because uh, I was asked earlier in the week to go on Talk Sport and talk about the Stop the Oil campaign who'd been disrupting football games, apparently a couple of Premier League games. Now, that had passed me by completely. I didn't realise that they'd done that. I missed it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. That's interesting because actually I funded them. And so these guys that started it are based in Stroud. I know them. They asked me if I would help them start this new campaign to campaign against the drilling for more oil in the North Sea, basically. Uh, and I said, yeah, I will, because it's a super important thing. And we didn't talk about what they were going to do or when they were going to do anything. I didn't want to, didn't need to. And then, yeah, it turns around, I find out they're disrupting football and I'm on the radio talking about it. And I said to the guys, well, actually, I funded it. And they're, you know, they're a bit like WTF, particularly Simon <laughs> Jordan, who, you know, who, who used it to try and create some kind of, I don't know, radio clickbait, if there's such a thing. Well, there certainly is, yeah. And, and maybe <laughs> it was that. Yeah, well, we know where his football allegiance lies, don't we? So there's a, that's a whole separate story. But he but, keeps telling us, didn't he? I find it super amusing about Simon. It's like, oh, were you, were you once the chairman of Crystal Palace? I don't think <laughs> you've ever mentioned that before, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> but it, when, I mean, when it comes to funding a protest, I mean, it's just a couple of T-shirts, isn't it? That's all you have to – that's all they've got. <laughs> well, this is a really – 
important discussion we had on talk sport actually i made the point and they they you know embraced it that to have a protest you've got to have disruption and the more disruption you have the more effective you protest um and so you know i said they asked me the question, you know, does it bother me that it was football? I said, actually, it doesn't. Uh, would it bother me if they came to Forest Green Rovers? I said, actually, it wouldn't. But it wouldn't make sense anyway because we're zero carbon, you know, all these kind of things. You know what I mean? We're out there campaigning for this stuff anyway. We aren't the kind of people that you would go and uh, campaign against on a stop fossil fuel basis because we're completely on board. Uh, this comes in from Kieran on Facebook. Where is Boris's green energy policy? It was due in a few days, about three weeks ago. I was, uh, will this bring back your windmills? I'm not going to tell you my immediate thought in answer yeah. to that as to where that <laughs> policy actually is. But it yep. will see daylight uh, eventually. Um, Tuesday next week, we hear now. Listen, the rumours are onshore wind is coming back. The rumours are also that there's a battle uh, in government over it. There are people that don't want it and people that do want it. And Boris is one of those that do want it, we're told. And then I read uh, overnight on the BBC, I think it was, that uh, the government liked the idea of giving cheaper electricity to people that live near windmills. And uh, they're thinking of rolling that out nationally. And it's such a half-assed idea. You know, every every wind project is owned by a different energy company. And, and you can only give a discount if you're, you know, signed up to the right energy company in the right location. And I know there's all kinds of things wrong with it. But at the moment, anyway, windmills, wind farms, give money to local communities. There's a yep. formula set per megawatts, many thousands of pounds. That's been going on for a long time. So that local community benefit is already there. The government probably just don't know that. I was going to say, because there was a separate story on specifically that point, low energy bills for those who live near wind turbines. I mean, how do they measure that? How, how near do you have to live underneath it? What's the deal? That's right. And then you're going to need a smart meter anyway, because it's very much a time of day thing. Or certainly the scheme that they were talking about copying, yeah. which is a, an octopus scheme. But it's, you know, it's pure PR, the octopus scheme. You know, they'll give you a 20% discount when the windmill starts to turn. It's like, I mean, what's that about? Come on. Yeah. You know, but octopus are masters of, of that, actually, you know, creating the illusion of something. A bit, maybe, maybe they're friends of Rishi. So if we put – so anyone new to this podcast and, and these kind of issues, Dale, if we just put lots of onshore windmills in, in all the strategic and correct places around the country, yeah. with that alone, could we power everything? Four times over. So the next question is, why don't we do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's the question. So we'd have none of these questions about gas and electricity and rising bills if we did that? No, that's right. If we were energy independent and we made our own electricity and gas, because we can do both here from renewables, we also would have to uh, disconnect ourselves from the global pricing of energy. But we could do that because we wouldn't be in the market for fossil fuels. Then we could have energy bills that never went up. We could eradicate fuel poverty. They would be super low as well, by the way. The cost of wind and solar right now, we were wor- working it out today, up, uh, updating our numbers, is between four and six pence per unit of electricity. New build, not existing, but new build. The cost of new build gas is nine, but that's going up to 13 in the next three years, while the cost of wind and sun is going down from between four and six. So it's super cheap stuff. Yeah. You know, so we can have lower bills that don't go up. We can eradicate fuel poverty. We can be, you know, disconnected from whatever's happening in the world around fossil fuel supply yeah, and, and angst and all that kind of stuff. How, how of course- long would it take to get all that infrastructure up? If, if let's, let's say theoretically, they said, okay, we're going to go with, with Dale's plan, and that is, like, let, let's get wind in all the right places on an industrial scale. What, what's the kind of time frame to do that effectively? 
We could do it in 10 years. We wow. could get to 100% green electricity on the grid in 10 years. And I think we could get to 100% gas as well. We've got all of the technology. We've got enough resource in terms of wind, sun, and grass to make gas. And actually, we've got the money because pre-crisis, we were spending £50 billion a year bringing fossil fuels here just to burn them. It's a single-use fuel. That's a billion pounds a week. Right now, we're spending more, like $200 billion a year, $4 billion a week. And that's going to carry on for a couple of years. But if we took the pre-crisis budget 50 billion quid and we spent it for just two to three years on renewable energy we can get to 100 percent. but it would take 10 years to build it so we haven't got to spend it all at once we can spend it over a 10-year period i was just wondering whether politicians are just a bit scared to take the plunge your argument on this you're not alone there's there's lots of other people agitating and campaigning for this but i, I just wonder whether over there in whitehall they just think well, would it really really could we actually get like free electricity across the whole country via a windmill. Are they scared? It's a no-brainer, right? I mean, it's literally a no-brainer. I think it's a big change to move away from fossil fuels and to renewable energy. I think they're quite comfortable when that big change is coming over a big time frame. You know, uh, there's lots of talk about transitions to 2050 and stuff like that. I think they like that. I think the fossil fuel companies encourage that. People like Richard Tice encourage that with this narrative that gas is a transition fuel and carbon capture and storage can take away the problem of carbon from fossil fuels and therefore we can carry on using it. You know, and the government kind of cling on to that to a degree. I think... It is a big change, a radical one, and the climate crisis always looks like a very distant threat, doesn't it? Whereas the war in the Ukraine is right in our faces, and look how we yeah. reacted. You know, the yeah. government are talking about us turning down our thermostats and and doing things to reduce sure. gas consumption. You know, hallelujah! Why aren't we talking about that in the face of the climate crisis? You know, it took a war in Europe for the government to contemplate bringing onshore wind back. I mean, what's going on with that? Daniel Holt, uh, emailing zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk, says, heard you on TalkSport with Simon Jordan earlier this week. I then Googled you, and now I'm listening to the podcast. It's the best thing Simon's ever done. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Well, even better than being chairman of uh, Crystal Palace, obviously. Yes, yeah. I'm just going to say that, because you know, not, like, not everybody knows that he was chairman of Crystal Palace. You know? He doesn't yeah. say it very often. It, we, should, we should make that. Uh, <laughs> Crystal Palace, she was chairman of, wasn't it? I think think he he mentioned it. (laughs) What about this, Dale? Birds now laying eggs up to a month earlier because of climate change. That ain't supposed to happen. No, it ain't. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff happening out there in the natural world, you know, in nature, um, as a result of the the change in the climate that we've brought around, you know. I mean, was it it Richard Ticesti that said that there'd always been climate change? Did did he say that? And it wasn't a threat? I think... Possibly. The, the climate always changes is the art, uh, whether it was Richard or somebody else, but the, the argument is always the climate always changes. I think it's it been him. hotter years ago. That's the one. That's right. No, I think it was him. Yeah, and it's not a threat. I'm sure it was him. Madness. The people believe that, you know, in the face of it. It was, it was him because on your show I was talking about. Of course. Yes, it was. You know, the, the droughts, the floods, the, the climate refugees, there'll be tens of millions of them, you know, the food shortages. Um, you know, the record temperatures. I mean, there were temperatures last year in the world that were so hot that human life can't exist. That those forty degree wet bulb temperatures that were theoretical yeah, yeah. and we thought we'd never see them, we saw them. And you physically can't live in that environment. I mean, that's coming. Final one for Marie on Twitter. Dale, you've not released a T-shirt for ages. Are you planning anything when Forest Green Rovers get promoted? Wow, you must be like psychic or something, because I had a conversation this week with one of my sons who's graphic designer. Uh, he's thinking about T-shirts, and, and I was like, oh, well, I've been thinking about a T-shirt. So, uh, yeah, I think we will. 
You could have on the front, Simon Says, and on the back, I was chairman of Crystal Palace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah we, could, we, could, uh, we could do that. That, <laughs> that would be an unimportant T-shirt, but we could do that for a bit of fun. <laughs> I like it. Dale, have a great week. We'll speak in seven days. Yeah, nice one. See you later, Ian. See you later. That's it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Leave a review there as well. Really important bit, follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince facebook.com slash dalevince zero carbon east off